welcome listeners to episode number 10 of the Andrew Foodicon podcast. This episode is being recorded at a restaurant called Luke in San Francisco, and my guest today is Brendan Petubo. And Brendan uh, lives just a block away from here, so uh, this is one of his uh, favorite restaurants here in his neighborhood. We're kind of in between like Pack Heights and Japantown. Would you say that's like an accurate description of this neighborhood? Yeah, Lower Pack Heights is the proper name for this area, but that's up for debate. Okay, yeah, so like Lower Pack Heights, that, that sounds about right. Like we're right on uh, Fillmore Street, which is like a popular street with restaurants, and there's like a movie theater and other little shops and things like that. Um, so we're here at Noosh. Um, it's a cool restaurant that just opened up recently. Um, Brendan, do you want to describe uh, what this restaurant is like and the food that we ordered today? Yeah, this is a Mediterranean Greek-inspired restaurant. Uh, the restaurant actually used to be a Thai, a Thai spot way back when, and uh, that closed pretty shortly after I moved into this neighborhood about two years ago. And for a while, this has been a restaurant under construction and under renovation. And every time I pass by the the building, uh, I'd be in anticipation about what it was number one and two when it would actually open. And for the longest time, there was a there was a banner outside the restaurant saying "Top Most Anticipated Restaurant of 2019, Noosh." And I thought, cool, sounds good. When's that gonna open up? And it, see, it seemed like they were on the verge of opening for the longest time. Every day, every week, it was like, about to open, about to open. But it never opened. And uh, there was a season when it was just uh, for private events. And it just kept like teasing me. Every time I walked by, it kept teasing me. Is it open? Is it not open? I don't know. And then about, I think about a month ago, they actually opened to the public. And now here we are. And it's a great place. It's 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 open. It's airy. It's bright. Um, and it is a Friday night right now, so it's getting a little bit crowded, but for good reason. The food's good. It's it's tasty. It's a uh, small plate, shareable, and uh, that cocktail that you got, Andrew, is pretty pretty dang good. What is that? It's a whiskey highball. Whiskey highball. And they have two cocktails, the whiskey highball included, that are actually on draft. So yeah, quick uh, quick pull of the lever and a cocktail um i wish i got that i got a beer instead and because mediterranean food revolves around like pita and bread coupled out with a beer i'm pretty stuffed already <laughs> so so before we came here um you know like most episodes i kind of asked you like what restaurant do you want to go to um you said you know this is a place that you really want to check out and i had never heard of this place before yep so i went on google just looked up you know the menu um what is the place like? So one of the first things I saw was that it was on a list uh, from either.com of like hot spots in San Francisco. Like, yeah, that's right. So I was like, okay, that's really cool. And saw that it's Mediterranean food, but then I came here, like most Mediterranean restaurants I've been to, it's, I would say, more of a, uh, like less less fancy, you know, no frills, kind of like about the food kind of place. But right. you come here and you see like, oh, they have like fancy cocktails on the menu. They have like the white bread, they have like beers and wines. Right. And even the interior, it's not too fancy, but it's very nice. You can tell that they put a lot of thought into how this place looks. Totally. And like you said, it's bright, there's big windows. Um, just, you know, they have like subtle decorations on the walls and things like that. And you can sit up at the bar, it's nice. It's a nice um, uh, 
seating area. They even have like an upstairs, like a different section you can go to. Yep. And there's a there's a br brick oven back there. Yeah, and then the, the brick oven uh, for for the flatbreads. Yeah, this uh, pork flatbread came out within one minute of us ordering it. Now I don't know if they had that already prepped or not, but if you if you tacked it up for uh, good service, like yeah, that's that's a high high one on the list. And, and like you mentioned, like we're here right around a little after five o'clock, which is when they start the dinner service, and the line is starting to form outside of uh, the restaurant. Right. So you know, knowing that, they, they probably are thinking ahead and, and uh, making sure that they have the food ready to, to keep things moving along. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's awesome for us, like, uh, to have the food coming out that quickly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We're here at News. Um, it's a great restaurant, but we wanted to go a little different direction with today's episode and, and discuss comfort foods and and also just like you know what is it like you know living here in San Francisco and then, you know finding dinner every night um, you know in a big city like this and you have so many options and right. sometimes you're busy you're tired after work like what do you do um, so those are kind of the topics that uh, we're going to discuss today um, you know in addition to talking about. Um, Right now. So just to start off um, with regards to comfort food, like how do you define comfort food? Like what do you think about when you hear that term? Yeah, comfort food has a bunch of de different definitions depending on who you ask. But for me, comfort foods are foods or cuisines that uh, I associate with a memory or uh, with memory or of a family of good times, quality times. If there's one word I could associate with it, it's reminiscent. So, for me, that's where the relation comes up. Comfort food, reminiscing, memories, family, good times. And there's a bunch of different dishes and cuisines that kind of uh, fall under that category for me. It's not necessarily like high fat or butter or sugary. Sometimes there's overlap, but not necessarily. When would you say you're most likely to eat comfort foods? Like, are, are there certain special occasions that maybe holidays or times when you're on vacation or uh, yeah. weekends in general, something like that? Like, when do you say you like most likely to eat comfort foods? There is, there might be a relationship with comfort foods and stress for me. If I find myself in a high stress situation, I might start to crave foods that I'm familiar with. But typically I can expect comfort food when I go back home and I don't live too far away from San Francisco or sorry, my, my parents don't. So visiting home with mom and dad, I can typically expect some kind of uh, comforting dish, um, whether that's home cooked or whether that's or, what, or if we decide to go out. Um, typically when I cross the bridge into the East Bay, I start craving certain cuisines I grew up with. So maybe geography plays a, a factor in that too. It's kind of interesting. So, so if you're going back uh, to East Bay to visit your parents, and you choose like one food for them to prepare, like what, what would be like your favorite comfort food that they make? Yeah, if my mom is cooking at home, then I'll request uh, chicken adobo, which um, is a Filipino staple. But it's interesting because even though I'm Filipino-American, most of the food that would be cooked in our household growing up very rarely was Filipino. It was a hodgepodge or a melting pot of dishes because I come from a background that um, my parents, they, they immigrated from the Philippines at a very young age. But because they associated uh, Filipino culture with a rough upbringing, when it came to myself and my siblings growing up, 
my my mom would tend to not cook Filipino dishes. In fact, if you stepped foot into our home growing up, you wouldn't think that that was a Filipino American home. You would think this is a pretty standard American home, uh, and that had a close relationship with our food too. So yeah, every now and then we'd have chicken adobo, but that'd be partnered with um, the casseroles, roast chicken, um, with other Asian dishes, uh, with other pasta dishes. But whenever we had chicken adobo, that was like a fan favorite for our household, and it was uh, it was a treat. I'd say whenever Mom would cook that up, and so for me. Seeing and smelling and tasting chicken adobo, yeah, it does remind me of special moments growing up because we didn't get that as often as I would want. And you know, I I I try asking my mom, hey, how did you make your chicken adobo? Because you know, there's recipes available online, but there's a way that mom would make chicken adobo that would be unmatched. She'd actually make a chicken and pork adobo maybe in one pot. And so I'd ask her, how do you make this? And my mom isn't a recipe follower. I'm a big recipe follower. I'm type A, follow the rules to a T. And a recipe is a rule. So if I don't have a recipe, I'm kind of paralyzed what to, what to do with certain proportions. So when I asked my mom, how do you make this? She wouldn't really know because she just tossed things all together and there'd be. So uh, that's the challenge, like, mom, I want you to put your recipes in written form, so that way I can make that. I want to be able to translate that for where I'm at in life, and be able to translate that, uh, you know, to my kids someday. So regarding the chicken adobo, it sounds like that's one of your favorites. Um, when you go back home, like a food that you're able to prepare. So is that something that you'll order, like at other restaurants? Like, is there a, a favorite restaurant where you can get chicken adobo, or do you kind of like? You know, I, I haven't found any restaurants that, um, not many that I frequent that serve chicken adobo or pork, pork adobo. Obviously, you can go to any kind of like uh, Filipino restaurant or even some like Mexican and Spanish restaurants, they might have adobo dishes. But um, because I can't get it as easily um, as I would consider, I know that whenever I go home, I always have the option. Whenever I go home to mom and dad, I'd always have the option of, of having home-cooked chicken adobo that, uh, that, that, and that excites me. Nowhere else can I get the way mom makes it, obviously, because mom makes it. So um, I can only really get that the way that it's prepared, the way that I'm used to by going home. So you mentioned that you know, chicken adobo isn't something that you'll cook on your own, but are there other foods that you would consider to be comfort foods that you do cook at home or that kind of like remind you of like um, your own traditions now? Yeah, yeah. So the idea about comfort food today has kind of shifted because I can't easily get the food that I grew up with because they're home cooked. And because my mom doesn't write her recipes down, I can't replicate that as easily. So there are certain dishes that I'll cook today uh, with my wife that have kind of redefined comfort food for us solely because we make it often now. And because it's in a current rotation of dishes, now I associate that with being in my new definition of home. But beyond that, 
think about Thai food, specifically getting uh, Pad Thai, Pad Siu. Uh, whenever I go for Thai food, those are the uh, main staples. And for my wife, uh, Ashley, yellow curry was a really popular comfort food for her growing up. And so we get to combine these uh, favorite dishes that we had individually now together whenever we go for Thai food. We also grew up on sushi. And I was a pretty Americanized kid growing up, so California roll to start off with. But that's kind of evolved now too with um, if I stick within the, like the, the realm of realm of rolls, uh, spicy tuna roll kind of entered that rotation. But Ashley was a big uh, uh, nigiri and sashimi fan, and only recently did I start to get into that too. And that's also kind of built into the idea of comfort food. So salmon nigiri, um, yellowtail, uh, sashimi, those all those now I associate that with being um, comfort foods as well. And I have a soft spot for chicken fettuccine alfredo. So at an Italian restaurant, I'll try to push my boundaries a little bit. I can always fall back upon chicken fettuccine alfredo as a staple, as a, as a comfort food. Is, is there a favorite uh, or several favorite restaurants that you and actually have? Like if you want, if you're really craving sushi or like Thai food or even like a chicken alfredo, are there certain places that you found that you like really enjoy going back to? Yeah, when I actually moved back to San Francisco from uh, Arizona five, six years ago, she found a great place on Polk Street called uh, Fishingari, which is, it's like a no-frill sushi spot. It's a hole-in-the-wall, family-owned. But see, she has, re- has defined comfort food for herself in this season of life. And uh, one of those is Fishingari. And so whenever we get a chance, we'll go over to Polk Street for... Uh, for sushi at that one spot and that's kind of entered into my definition of comfort food now when I want sushi I can thank Ashley for fishingari as uh, as her definition um, but as a married couple now we've been defining our own sense of comfort food in uh, in restaurants and so there's a great place on Fillmore Street called uh, Rural Indian which is obviously Indian food and uh, there's a, another Indian restaurant um, just up the street that has a, it's more crowded, it's more famous, but it's a smaller restaurant for us that's become comfort food for us. It's got, it's great North Indian cuisine, uh, which, which she loves. And um, whenever we want to have a great place to eat uh, and not want to cook, just on the block is that, that Indian restaurant. Uh, in addition, this is a fantastic spot, Andrew, called um, Mangrove for Thai food. And that's in Nopa on Divisadero. We checked that out for the first time several months back, and it's become one of our favorites for Thai food. Um, not for Pod Siu, but for their pork belly. They have a fantastic pork belly Pod Siu that is unparalleled. And so, same thing, when we don't want to cook, we'll consider going to Mangrove for Thai food, which is both now a comfort cuisine and a comfort food restaurant for us. So you mentioned earlier that a big part of comfort food to you is like the familiarity of things that you grew up with yeah. or things that have become like a regular, uh, you know, a thing that you do often uh, yeah, that's in your right. routine. 
So I think it only makes sense that like you found a couple of like favorite restaurants that kind of like fit into that idea of like I know what I can expect. Like this is it brings back memories of the other times that I've been there. And totally. Now you know these are places that I like to go to regularly. Totally. You know um, when I grew up, the only Japanese dish that I would eat was a California roll. But even before eating the entire entirety of the roll, I would poke out the imitation crab out of the California roll and just eat that. I love that so much that my mom would buy me packs of imitation crab to eat at home. So there obviously came a point where I decided, okay, I'm going to be adventurous here and eat the entire roll, which I loved. And that started off the, the trajectory towards exploring more rolls. So it started off with the, uh, the imitation crab and the California roll, which then uh, evolved into eating the, the, the sushi rice around it. And then the cucumber, and then the avocado. And then one day it was, I guess I'll eat the entire thing. How about um, home-cooked meals? Like, what would you consider to be uh, comfort food that, that you would actually enjoy cooking now that maybe uh, something that you'll um, regularly cook that's now become like a favorite? Right. Yeah, I mean, it's no secret that the cost of living in San Francisco is a little bit higher than most places in the, in, uh, in the U.S. Because of that, eating out is a, it's a special treat. You know, uh, we don't do it often, but when we do, it's, it's a nice treat. But because of that, it's forced us to consider cooking more and spend some time looking up recipes online that uh, I can easily cook at home on a weeknight. So... Um, there's a couple of favorites that make the regular rotation for us. A lot of the times they're uh, sheet pan dinners. So do all the chopping, throw it onto a, a cookie sheet, and bake or roast um, at 350 or 400 for 20 minutes, and you got a great dinner. Just this week, we made um, a sheet pan sausage and green bean dish that was like a total, total time was uh, 40 minutes. 10 minutes of prep, 30 minutes cooking, and it's great because you pair that with some brown rice, it's a really filling meal, that also multiplies uh, for lunch. So, and that's the thing too, is trying to find dishes or recipes online that can not only make a great dinner, but can carry over into taking, home, uh, taking to work for leftovers for lunch the following day. So that kind of what, that's kind of what defines the recipes I look for is, okay, is this, is this fast, uh, fast to prep and cook on a weeknight, but does it multiply for another meal the following day? And not only that, but are the ingredients ones that we already have? And are the ingredients that can also multiply for other meals? So we're talking about paprika, sausage, chicken, uh, kale, these are things that can be used for many other meals. So when we go to the grocery store on a Monday night, all those ingredients that we pick up and put into our cart, we know that these can be used for other meals going forward, not just for one. I made a eggplant curry one time, and I was really excited to make this because we rarely make like Pakistani Indian food at home. And so when I got this uh, idea from a coworker previously, I thought, cool, let's experiment. Let's push the envelope a little bit. Let's make some eggplant curry. There are at least five spices, Andrew, that I still have in our, our pantry that I haven't used since. They're just sitting around um, because they're only used once. So there could be a day where I make eggplant curry again, 
but I'll, I'll tell you right off the bat, spices like paprika, some pepper obviously, oregano, marjoram, garlic powder, these things multiply. So I don't feel bad about buying that one time and having that be used for like 10, 20, 30 meals down the line. It's like when you go to a store, you can walk down to the spice aisle. There's just like a limited, unlimited number of options that you have. But like yeah. you said, like there's certain flavors that you tend to gravitate towards, and that you just get used to making in your recipes. And so that's right. It, it makes the most sense to like continue to buy those kind of spices that you use regularly. Right. And 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 also just you know like cooking, it, it takes time. It's an investment in your time. Right. Uh, so like you said, it, it makes a lot of sense to cook in larger quantities so that you can use it for this meal and for the next meal the next day. That's right. Or something like that. Um, so that it's like worth the time that you're investing into cooking it. Totally. And you know, the because we have a regular rotation of recipes now, um, there, there's some that could be made every week, some every two to three weeks or whatever. Um, but that's kind of a defined comfort food for me now because they're familiar now, because they're easy to make for me now. Uh, our definition of comfort food has kind of been built around these new these new recipes that have come into our rotation. And um, these, these recipes also use those same spices, those same ingredients over and over again. And uh, I mentioned a sausage and kale sheet or sausage and green beans sheet pan dinner is one. But um, one of my favorite things to make in the morning, there's two things that, that kind of uh, rotate. One is um, green smoothies. So bananas and kale make a high rotation along with like chia seeds or um, hemp seeds. Those make regular rotation as well as um, a simple like scrambled egg dish that use uh, kale, salt and pepper, a little bit of garlic. And I know that whenever we go to the grocery store, picking up a carton of eggs, that'll last uh, because uh, they're dishes that we typically make. And what I love about those dishes too, Andrew, is that, yeah, sure, I may have, I may have followed a recipe to begin with, but now it's so like ingrained in my memory, ingrained in my knowledge base in my head, that I can throw things together just like that kind of like how my mom does now because she made those dishes so frequently she can just she, she doesn't have to measure anymore she doesn't have to use any kind of uh, uh, tools she just has that in her, in her memory now and maybe that's kind of like what, what comfort food is too it's, it's natural to make it's easy to make it's been a part of your rotation that you don't even think twice anymore they're just normal I think we've all had those experiences where you go to a restaurant and you order something that you really didn't like or maybe you tried a new recipe for the first time and, and it came out really awful or something like that. Yeah. It's nice to have an experience like that to say this is something that is familiar to me that I've had many right. times. I know how to do it. I know how it's going to taste and that's just what, what you're going to get. Um, and I know I've had that experience of finding certain recipes that I really enjoy cooking getting to the point where it takes less and less time each time to make it yeah. because I know how to do it efficiently or I just know what to expect of how long things are going to take. Right. And so it's nice to prepare something in you know 30 minutes rather than an hour because I'm not reading out of a, a book of you know trying to see what's the next ingredient, how long do I cook this for, how long, how long do I have to put this on the stove for. Totally. Yeah. So that makes a big difference. Um, right. And so I know you've mentioned that you like cooking at home. 
so what what does the typical week or you know weeknight after work look like for you in terms of like uh, preparing dinner? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, we typically go grocery shopping on a Monday night, and uh, Trader Joe's is probably our go-to spot for uh, getting our grocery ingredients. Uh, there are times when it's either rainy or we're just really tired after a long day on Monday, and we'll we'll order groceries from uh, Whole Foods and do Amazon Prime. Uh, that's like a very millennial San Francisco thing to do, and we're not ashamed for doing that every now and then. Uh, but uh, Trader Joe's tends to be a little bit cheaper for us, so we'll uh, Monday at some point I'll start creating like a, a meal plan for our week, uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What we would want to do and then build our grocery list based upon that. And so, um, like I mentioned, we try to choose meals that'll multiply, not just for dinner, but for lunch as well. And so, um, I'll pull recipes online, build the recipes off of that, or sorry, build the ingredient list off the recipes, and then go to the grocery shop, or grocery store, knowing where to hit, and be efficient with our time there. Because the treasures that we visit is supposedly the second busiest treasures in the nation. Which means that on a Monday night, the busiest night of the week for grocery shopping, it's multiplied in magnitude with how crowded it'll get. So we have to be very intentional with, with our list. In fact, on our, on our grocery list, uh, I've uh, separated out by produce and refrigerated section and frozen section and dry food section and non-perishable section so that way there's a natural flow of how we move to the grocery store we're out in like 15-20 minutes it's great so uh, that's that takes a lot of prep time obviously but within that salmon creme fraiche and bok choy that my wife Ashley loves to make it's super easy to make and we've substituted um, like wheat penne or flour penne with um, lentil noodles so it makes it feel a little bit healthier with a little bit more protein uh, lentil pasta is a game changer for me when I discovered that man possibilities were endless with our uh, our pasta dishes beyond that there's um, a stir-fried dish I love to make using uh, there's a Trader Joe's um, like soy based uh, marinade that I love to use it's got soy sauce teriyaki sauce garlic all built into one bottle throw that together with some chicken some spinach broccoli water chestnuts super easy to make and it steams really well and you pair that with some brown rice you got a great meal if it was the fall like the autumn months there is a delicious ground sausage kale and butternut squash ravioli dish that has fantastic flavors of the fall but I only feel right making that in September through November if I tried making it in month of May my palate would be all thrown off but once September hits I assure you that will be a regular part of the rotation as well so it sounds like you have a handful of favorite recipes that, that you enjoy cooking and yeah. things that you'll regularly plan for when you, when you go to Trader Joe's to go grocery shopping every week. Yeah. So could you say, like estimate, like how many dishes you have like in your regular rotation, like things that you've cooked maybe three or four like more times that you're comfortable with that you like will regularly prepare? Yeah, I probably have six. Six dishes that I'm pretty familiar with making. I don't have to look at the recipes often anymore because it's been ingrained and uh, they don't really get that all that boring either 
because uh, because there's a little bit of rotation. There's some dishes I make every every two or three weeks instead of every week, but it's just enough time uh, to provide some variety in our in our recipes. And how often would you say you try a new recipe? Like, is that every week thing, or maybe just once in a while? We'll try new recipes maybe every two weeks. There's a couple of recipe sites that will frequent and um, search for a main ingredient, like like look for chicken or look for pasta or look for a particular salad. And then there's there, there'll be recommendations based upon those recipes for new things to try. And so as the familiar familiarity comes with these dishes, comes with the idea and the desire to experiment more. What, what happens when you add a little bit more of this spice? What happens when you add a different spice? What happens if you try uh, preparing cook, uh, preparing chicken in a different way? And um, this is so funny because just the other month, I went over to a friend's house to for dinner, and he made dinner, and he tried roasting vegetables uh, like broccoli, cauliflower, and kale, topped it with some red pepper and Parmesan cheese, and that was a game changer for me. I used to just steam all the time, steam or blanch vegetables, but roasting, wow, what a way, what a way to prepare vegetables, and it's so easy, you know. But it came with a little bit of it came with a little bit of uh, like hesitancy and then confidence because I saw what he did I thought wow I gotta try that and now here I am I just roasted some uh, broccoli this afternoon for a uh, lunch dish and six months ago I was I was steaming that gosh there's like a variety of ways to prepare that I'm as a adult now in his 30s I'm starting to grow more confidence in Yeah, right. And then I had a friend who did a similar, you know, way of uh, baking the vegetables with uh, broccoli and cauliflower as well. Yeah. And I, I've never liked broccoli. Like, that was like one of the vegetables that I wouldn't eat. I just felt like it was bland. Couldn't stand like the, the leafy stem, like the texture of that. Yeah. But when you bake it, it's, it's amazing. Like, you just throw some olive oil, some salt, pepper, or something like that, leave it in the oven for 40 minutes. Totally, yeah. And it's crispy on the outside, but has good flavor on the inside. So, I, I, yeah, I agree with you. Absolutely. Uh, favorite uh, vegetables that you would bake, or is, is it just something that you kind of like have started doing and you're still kind of experimenting with? Yeah, I'm still experimenting, but roasting broccoli is probably the easiest to do. Um, I actually made a dish the other, the other day. It was a... Uh, Sriracha Brussels sprouts and crispy pork chop dish, and that was the first time I roasted Brussels sprouts with a little bit of a sriracha honey marinade, and that was delicious. Describe like what what your week looks like in terms of like what you eat after after work and things like that. Would you say that your routine Monday through Friday is different from Saturday to Sunday, like in terms of the food that you're cooking or like what you'll eat or even like what you uh, consider to be your comfort food? Yeah, during the weekend, my wife and I will typically go out. We'll try a new restaurant uh, in the neighborhood or an adjacent neighborhood. But you know, sometimes we'll, we'll choose to go to a restaurant that we're familiar with, which is another sense of comfort food too. So that Indian restaurant I mentioned, that'll be a top one for us. Well, um, I think Noosh, where we're at right now, is probably going to enter our rotation on a maybe monthly basis. 
just got to find the right time to come here because the line is so long. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, we're still early on on a Friday where the line isn't going out the door. But, yeah. I'd say probably like a weeknight we'll, we'll choose to do Noosh. There's also a great burger joint across the street, directly across the street from us that we'll go to for uh, a quick bite. And we know that whenever we go to any one of these places, we know what to expect. We know the flavor. Uh, we know the service for the most part. Um, it's going to provide a sense of comfort for us, ultimately. We don't have to be concerned that our dollars is going to be wasted because we, we know these restaurants already. Is there anything else um, as we started to wrap up the podcast that um, you wanted to add about like your opinions of summer foods, like some of your favorite foods or um, anything like that? Yeah, it's, I suppose from like a philosophical standpoint, you might have an idea of comfort food now based upon good experiences in the past or family or tradition. But it's always great to experiment what comfort foods might mean for you today and build your own traditions and build your own ideas of what brings you familiarity and comfort. That could be made in the kitchen at home or that could be a restaurant that you choose to frequent more often than not. Um, I, I also want to say that dessert is a comfort food for me and my wife. So if we decide to go for ice cream, that's great. But Nothing beats a good Nestle drumstick. Nothing beats a pint of Ben & Jerry's ice cream to wrap up the night. I also have a, a weak spot for, for desserts, for ice cream. Uh, when I think about my own personal comfort foods, I would say like sweets are right up there uh, for you know, what I would consider to be what's comforting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was really cool to, to hear your insights of like what you grew up with. Um, you know, just like the memories that it brings back to go visit your parents and how like comfort food has evolved for you. And who knows, maybe five, ten years from now it's going to change even more and you'll find new things, new restaurants, new recipes that, that you consider to be comfort foods. Yeah, um, absolutely. So yeah, you know, thank you, uh, thank you, Brandon, for coming on to the podcast and, and sharing all that information. It was uh, really cool, really informational. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks. Um, and so that pretty much uh, wraps it up for today's episode. Um, thank you listeners for tuning in. Um, definitely recommend coming and checking out news. If you're interested in any of the recipes that uh, Brendan mentioned, feel free to, uh, to reach out and, and get more information about that. And um, thank you for tuning in to another episode, and we'll see you next time.